Yeah, I should. Oh, wait. Why is it not video? Here we go. It doesn't matter. It's up to you, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. There we go. Oh, there we go. Handsome fellow. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to turn my camera off. jealous of your hat. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is the shtick. This is the shtick. Love it. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm good, bro. It's, uh, you know, first of the new year. I'm excited. There's a lot of cool yeah. shit going on this year. So I'm, uh, I'm stoked. I'm good. Hell Up yeah, dude. Happy new year. Happy New Year to you. What'd you do last night? Anything exciting? Uh, no, man. I don't, yeah. I don't have anything exciting going on. I don't even drink, so it's like, what's New Year's That's, to me, you know? No, I hear you. Yeah. I feel like we used to do stuff when I was younger. You know, we'd go out, we'd, you know, all kinds of fun shit. Oh, yeah. And then now I'm 41, and I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Like, I don't want to go anywhere, you know? Like, I had a buddy of mine, this other... Uh, um, jiu-jitsu guy who's in the area and he he's like hey man wife and i will come over and we'll have some champagne and i'm like we're actually just like eating sushi and watching cobra kai like i just i'm i don't want to do anything you know right. yeah that's such a young man it's a young man's game the new year's thing seems like anyway either young or it, single it right one of the two one of the two yeah and i get it i get it oh totally yeah no my wife and i just did the same thing she had some champagne and i just sat there and i i had a whatever the kids have um like the, the like apple cider stuff mm -hmm, sparkling mm -hmm. apple juice yep. yeah had some of that so make me feel like one of the cool kids you know right right but yeah nothing exciting going on really um got an open mat today are you training today or i i trained yesterday i don't know um i think actually it's like they're doing it like around 11 or so. Um, okay. uh, my buddy, but it's kind of far away. So I went yesterday and, and trained. Um, our school doesn't open up again until Monday. It was closed for like a week. My instructor was like, man, it's like the only week I get off my <laughs> in the whole year. We're like, yeah, bro, take it. Yeah, you got to relax. Appreciate the off time for sure. When you Definitely. Can get it. Um, <clears throat> well, I know you told me a little bit about yourself, but if you want to break it down again, it sounds like. You've been in the game for a hot minute. Yeah, man. Um, Just give us yeah, an overview, I, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, I moved to Virginia, um, like right before high school and was involved in art and music for the majority of my life. That was always something that I just gravitated towards graphic design, um, which I started when I was in about eighth grade and um, grew up and ended up getting married kind of young at 25. And I started jujitsu right after that. Um, and I fell in love with it immediately. You know what I mean? It was one of, I was one of those guys and um, have been doing it for 16 years now. And a couple of years ago started Epic Roll and it just, you know, I'm a serial like entrepreneur, man. I can't sit still. I can't, I can't keep myself down. I always got to be doing stuff. And uh, um, so I'm a little crazy like that. Well, I heard about you from um, Chewy. He, he's always talking about you. I don't know if always, but you know, it's come up. He's got, I, I think you guys, did you do a gi for him at one point? So we didn't do a gi yet. <clears throat> um, we did a rash guard and fight shorts that the pre-sale actually just ended for that. 
and we are going to be doing some limited release things throughout the year okay. that tends to work really well um like the stuff i'm doing with mcdojo life and with him and mason fowler these these one-off projects that are kind of limited release um almost that show your role model a little bit with how they did their keys mm-hmm. uh, creates a little bit of an allure so yeah so i've been working with chewy for a minute that was a uh that was that's been an amazing relationship he's an awesome guy and his co-host eugene um they've become good friends and so i'm, I'm i've really enjoyed working with them it's funny because when i was first kind of putting Epic Roll out there and marketing, I came across him and was looking at it. And I was talking to my wife, I was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to this guy. I was like, this would be maybe a good relationship to help, you know, with Epic Roll. And maybe I can design some cool stuff for him, whatever. She's like, he is not going to wear your stuff. Like he's got, he's got his own chewy brand of stuff. Like he's not going to wear like this guy's on YouTube. He's got all this stuff. What are you talking about? And I'm like, all right. So I actually record a video of me talking to him and introducing myself. And I'm very easy when I approach people with this kind of stuff. I don't you know, have people approach me like, Hey, you want to review my product? And, you know, we'll give you a good price, you know, on it. I'm like, no, that's not how this works, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm very easy with people. And I, I contact him and, and I just made this message explaining who I am and what Epic Roll is. And, uh, you know, I'd love to send him some of my stuff to check out and see what he thinks very easy right but i did that i record the video made it all professional looking i actually put it on a little chewbacca hard drive and then i packaged everything up you know put it all together and sent to him and then in my head i was like if this guy gets this package and just completely ignores it like fuck him you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah, what an asshole like if, if they it like because I put a lot of effort into this. And of course he did not. Um, so I won the bet with my wife and I was like, you thought he wasn't going to wear it. And then I was on his podcast. Like, what are you talking about? Like now yeah. we're friends, you know, that's so the power of uh, the community of jujitsu, but yeah. Um, he's, he's a, he's a cool guy. He's just got a lot to offer a lot of great knowledge. And you could just tell when I was at, um, when I had the opportunity to visit his school and train with him, And um, you could tell he just, is a is a good dude who really loves jujitsu and loves teaching and loves building his little community and he's he's cultivated a really cool environment there you know oh definitely um like i said well you've been in the game forever i've only been in the game a little over three years um but since day one he's like the youtube guy like he's the guy everyone finds him i would say i mean i look at my sales and you know people have that jujitsu discount that we offer with him and i can see how many people use it i mean he definitely is out there you know it's 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 been huge and that's it's really great you know i try to make him look good by helping design cool stuff and you know and he has the distribution and network to get out there and so it's a very symbiotic mutual relationship and um you know works very well so yeah, I, I I I'm a fan of how versed he is. Where, if you like, you might look up, um, Kimura finishes, and then he'll have a video up there, you know. And then, or you could be like, "Man, I'm really down in the dumps. I'm not. I'm I'm not. Should I quit jujitsu?" And then you you type that in, like like I'm, you know, whatever you want to type it on YouTube, and he'll have a video on it. You know, like yeah, I had a student one time, and he'll always have a story to relate, and it's like all topics like i'm on top of the world i'm down in the dumps i need a technique 
he's got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's great. He's great at that. And it's taken a long time. You know, we've talked a lot about social media and how people don't care for a while. You know, you really have to put it out there and just grow it. I mean, he's just a guy, you know, there was nothing special. It was nothing, whatever. He was just a guy who put himself out there and started growing the content and became a resource in the yeah. space, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not easy. You know, it's definitely not easy because there's a long time where no one's paying attention to you a long time. They were, he, you know, imagine how many times his first YouTube videos, probably no one watched them. And then you just keep putting it out there. Um, you say you did art, <clears throat> excuse me. You were, um, you focused a lot on art. Was that in high school or before high school? I think I was always drawing as a kid, okay. um, even in class and everything, just always drawn to art painting, anything artistic that was not math or science you know that was that was my jam and uh so as i got a little bit older i had an opportunity to get into graphic design and did that for a while i had a, a company with a buddy of mine and throughout i'd say throughout my whole adult life <clears throat> whether i was managing health clubs or consulting or you know, um, running a, a business, I, I sort of was always able to use that artistic side within these businesses. So it's not, you know, even with my real estate business, I have all of our own branding, our marketing, our logos, everything. So with Epic Roll, that was, that's another one of those gratifying aspects that I have where I get to do something I'm passionate about, and, you know, as a, as a business um, and get to utilize that skill. It's not like I went to college for something and never, you know, get to use it. So, right. So you do, do you design all or most of your stuff at Epic Roll? Because I've, I've always wondered that I'm sure there's, there's apparel out there and the guy who runs it or the guy who had the idea of it isn't an artist. So it seems like you can, you kind of jump that, jump that valley and you knock out two birds. Is that kind of how it, how it works or, or do you have a designer? Yeah, no, I design every bit of my, clothes every product every you know everything on the website everything on instagram you know all the designs um which you know is kind of what i bring to the table with this it wasn't like i was really prepared and knew how to start a clothing brand it was more i had to figure that out but i did know that i felt fairly confident that i had a good amount of designs that I could contribute in this space because I had all of the Choke Republic and, you know, Toro brand and all these different shirt companies that are kind of out there that you might see at tournaments. I had all those and I just felt that there was maybe a little bit lacking in a lifestyle brand for jujitsu. It was mm. kind of very aggressive or it was you know, very obvious or they were knocking on, you know, like a Coca-Cola brand that's logo that's now a jujitsu shirt or Starbucks or whatever there. And it's fine. Like, it's fine to have those. I just felt that they, you know, why not expand on it and put some stuff out there and create a brand that people can wear. That's like a lifestyle, not so obvious that, you know, sort of appeals to a, a wider audience. And um, so, so that's, that was kind of the intention behind that. Yeah, and that was when did you start a couple years ago the, the... it's only been maybe 
three and a half years. Um, yeah, it went from uh, being the idea I bought, I bought, I came up with the name and then bought the URL and I was going to make jujitsu videos with a, a buddy of mine, Philip, who um, I train with, who's a black belt with us. And he, we were going to, we were going to do like beginner, intermediate and advanced level um, <laughs> video library, which is so crazy because there's so many people out there doing that are like world champions. And this was kind of before all those were really prominent out on the market. Um, so I'm very glad that I didn't do that because that would have just been sort of silly. Like, who am I? <clears throat> but, um, but it went around that time I had found out about um, drop shipping. I don't know if you're familiar with drop shipping at all. No, please explain. Okay. So for anybody who doesn't know, drop shipping is sort of a way to sell products without holding inventory. So for a clothing company that has to hold inventory, if you have a t-shirt that comes in six sizes and seven colors, that's a lot of potential inventory to have to anticipate who's going to buy what. So with drop shipping, you can set up a store online um, with a variety of products. And there's a little bit of work. Well, there's a, quite a bit of work involved in setting it up and going through it. But once you have that, you effectively can launch these products and sell them. And the, the companies, the vendors and manufacturers that you work with, um, say within the platform of Shopify, will, when somebody orders, for example, somebody orders a shirt of mine, right? Mm -hmm. The company um, will get the exact shirt and size, they'll print that exact design, they'll package it, they'll send it to the customer, they'll take their portion of the profits, and then they'll send me mine. So you potentially lose out on your profit margins, but it also gives you an opportunity to sell products without holding a ton of inventory, which, you know, I have over 50 different shirt designs to hold them. I mean, it would just be insane, right? To, to do that. I, I have to do that with rash guards and fight shorts and geese, which is very expensive to do, but those are not drop ship items. Those are not items that are very readily available in the U S and, um, on platforms like drop shipping. So, um, so around the time that I had found out about drop shipping, I kind of realized that I could maybe integrate some of, you know, even just the Epic Roll logo into this format and number one, print some shirts out just for myself and then perhaps set up a store online. So I had a ton of reasons and research when I found out about dropshipping of why a woman's clothing store was the best choice for me to set up. So I literally went through because I had, you know, women buy lots of workout gear and it's a very marketable product. And there was just all this research. So I was like, this will be perfect, right? I'll just set up this. I'll have this women's clothing store online. Don't, you know, don't have to touch it too much. <clears throat> That'll be great. I set it up, made it look all professional, launched it. And it was just crickets. It was just nothing. I mean, like literally nothing. And I was like, <clears throat> what is going on? And um, I remember watching a video and hearing a couple of people say it is really important to like what you're drop shipping. And I didn't really understand why, because it seemed sort of like a detached, you know, inanimate thing where you would just 
you know, set it up and whatever. You don't have to like what you're selling or whatever. You could sell hangers, but if you're making a bunch of money, who cares? But it just, for whatever reason, that kind of resonated with me. And I thought, well, all right, well, maybe I can shift this women's clothing thing that I know obviously zero things about um, and shift that to something that I do know about when, you know, with jujitsu. So, um, so I think that helped kind of switch my gears a bit. And I took Epic Roll from intending to be sort of uh, a clothing brand that had a lot more ranked gear for each one of the belts. Cause obviously you're at these belts for sometimes a really long time. And so to create some particular designs that sort of embraced or, you know, uh, those, those, that journey, um, that was sort of the intention. And then it sort of spawned, you know, um, from there. So drop sh shipping can be very useful. And it obviously was a integral part of um, allowing me to grow Epic Roll to kind of even what it is today, for sure. Awesome. And now the only part that, that was confusing to me was does the cut, the customer has nothing to do with this, right? They, they would just click and buy your products as is right. And then they have no certain, pro okay. certain products different. you have yeah. on dropship and certain products you have on inventory. Correct. So, um, and they set up emails. Like I, I have emails set up. So when things ship, it lets people know. So there's a lot of backend stuff that you can do to try and bridge the gap between that. It is a little inconvenient, you know, I mean, it is different. Like I can, you know, send a rash guard quicker than maybe a hoodie could get made and sent to somebody, but the, there are different vendors and, or manufacturers, whatever you want to call them that work within these platforms like Shopify, and they all create different products and they all offer different products and they all offer different user experiences with how you add products to your store and that whole backend software. Um, so you have to find one that works well for you. And it took me going through a few different companies to land on one that has international and multiple domestic um, distribution outlets. So if somebody in California orders something, it would go to the distribution outlet on the West Coast versus oh. the one in South Carolina that the East Coast one hits. So We're that helps Carolina. out logistically a little bit. <clears throat> was that was that random? I don't know, bro. There, there actually is one in South Carolina. No, there's. I could probably find the address, but it's it's uh, yeah, it's Printful, um, and there it's in South Carolina. That's where I'm at. For, for their East. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, maybe it's around the corner for this. Maybe it's around the corner. Maybe. Um, no, so I would you expect send... you to get your shit really quick. Yeah, right. It should be. I just pick <laughs> it up. Um, you send so you send these whatever you want to call them vendors. You send them your designs, and then they make it. That's how it works. No, I design everything on my computer here, and I will upload it on their site and kind of build the shirts or hoodies or everything. Like you're putting the designs on the area where you, and, and again, there's some limitations to where you can print things and depending on the product, but um, yeah, all the designs I build, you know, kind of uh, on my computer and then I upload it and create the sort of catalog online through that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. What was, what's it like um, finding a, uh, someone to make a gi? Is that pretty tough or is it pretty easy? Or, and, and are they all from Pakistan? <laughs> yes, they are. Okay. Um, there are some other places, I, you know, my stuff is made down the street from where show your role has it made. It's no, it, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, origin 
was able to acquire a loom to make their own, you know, thread and their own material to make these keys. And it's just something that is not readily available for most companies. Um, It is tough to find somebody, I think, because out of the let's just say 10 legit companies over there, there's 90,000 that are looking to scam you or that are terrible or whatever, you know, and I send a tremendous amount of money back and forth with my guy um, who I've been working with for this entire time. So if you can get a referral from somebody who's already gone through the trouble of acquiring Mm. a manufacturer, that's always great. I mean, I've hooked uh, quite a few people up with my guy um for this you know for their own one-off stuff or for maybe a school that wanted to get a couple of geese printed things like that because i understand what a you know process it, it can be to to find somebody so i'm lucky in the sense that i i have a guy who i work with and we communicate very well and everything is great you know money transfers you have to wire stuff there are some inconveniences for sure i i do hope that one day soon I'll be able to maybe at least get the rash guards and fight shorts made in the U S with some of the other products. That's sort of my goal for this next year is because logistically that would just help a tremendous amount just in shipping time and things like that. You know, I'd be willing to pay more, um, to do that than, you know, than try to deal with the overseas stuff. Yeah. I was wondering if that was just a huge stereotype or if that was actually true. I think I think I, I think we've all heard Jocko say they're all from Pakistan except for Origin. But it's like, is he just saying that, or is it is it you know? No, what I mean? no, he's pretty much right. Damn, that's rough, man. I mean, yeah. it's not rough. I don't. I don't. I wasn't trying to. <clears throat> I didn't want it to sound like a knock. It was just. I was wondering if that was the reality of it. I mean, Apple gets a ton of parts for our iPhone from China. You know what I mean? It's just like you. you it is unfortunately until we make some big changes with manufacturing and sourcing products and things like that. Uh, You know, this is always going to be the case. It sucks. And nobody wants to really admit that most of the stuff we use probably is tied in with like some child labor, terrible stuff, but it's, it's the reality. I I do know where our stuff is made and with the the group of people and they are adults. So I do feel good. (laughs) I do feel good about that. That is good. That is better than having some seven-year-old out there making it for you. That's right. Turning a profit on it. That's funny. Um, let's get into some jujitsu stuff if you want. Yeah. Let's get into some. This is interesting because you've been training for so long. So it's like almost like I want to pick your brain. Let's see. What do you feel about jujitsu stereotypes? Because <clears throat> I run a meme page. So I, I you know, make, make a living off of it, basically. Not a living, like I don't get paid, but. The stereotypes are always there. Are any of them true? Are any of them overplayed? Or any of them, or are there some that aren't aren't brought up enough for someone who's been in the game for 16 years? Um, there are. I think there's definitely some validity behind some of the stereotypes, like a spazzy white belt. Let's just start with that one. You know, yeah. that's a thing but that's a very understandable thing. You know, it's, it's a thing, but it's an understandable thing because somebody who is not trained in jujitsu 
who is now thrust into a situation of rolling is going to be in a very fight or flight scenario where your strength and your things that are going to come into play that you will learn eventually how to use efficiently, you know, control breathing, be comfortable, all these different aspects of it. But in the beginning, you're just freaking out and trying to figure out what to do. So that's, you know, totally normal. Um, so I, I think that's definitely one. I don't know that there's, you know, I'm happy to address any specific ones that are popping up that you're thinking of, but I think, um, blue belts quitting blue belts quitting. Yeah. Well, okay. Jujitsu. I think, I don't know if, if many people sit down and, and explain to a new student what to expect when they start jujitsu, but I found that when I have the opportunity to speak to somebody who's just starting, I can set the stage a little bit for them in what to expect. And I think it can be very helpful to people because if you come in and you have no idea, like if you're, if you don't check your ego at the door, basically you can go home hurt a lot. I would go home, you know, not being able to turn my neck or swallow because I fought so hard to get out of this guillotine by some purple belt and I'm a white belt. And it was just silly. Like I didn't need to do that. Um, I did, I, I could have trained a little bit smarter, but I was a 25 year old idiot. So of course I didn't. Um, so I, th I think, uh, I think with, with these, these belts and all this, if you can sit and explain to people that no matter what you're, you're more than likely going to hit roadblocks throughout the entire process. Like almost every belt, I think I would say you get to a point where you feel like you're not learning anymore or you can't learn anymore. You're just like at a lull, you know? And my advice to those people when that happens is always jujitsu, especially now when I started, there was no, there wasn't all these YouTube videos and all this stuff that was available. So now if you are feeling stuck or, you know, in a little bit of a tight spot, all you have to do is go on and pick something that you are entertained by. For example, triangles. Well, you can go and just nerd out on triangles for a while and watch all these videos and figure out all the different entries and positional things. So by the time you're done with that, you're maybe a little bit more proficient at that aspect of your game. And you're probably moved through that little, you know, hump of feeling like you're not getting any better. Um, because it just happens throughout all of it. So I think blue belt's one of those belts where, you know, you're, you're no longer a white belt. So you're no longer a newbie, right? You, you now have this like foot in the door, you now have like a place in, in, in the, in the building as, um, somebody who's a little bit more established there. And that's a really cool moment. You know, it's like the first big moment in a jujitsu journey, but from blue belt to purple belt, there's really, especially I would say maybe in our organization, and I know it's different everywhere, but there are some huge expectations and improvements, I think, from blue to purple belt. And so that, that process, not everybody is willing to put in the time that it takes to get there. I'm of the mind that if you start jujitsu and you get to a blue belt and you love it, more than likely outside of maybe some catastrophic incident or your health or some issue, you would probably continue doing it. Like I could not imagine not doing jujitsu in my life. I just couldn't imagine what that would, you know, be like, it would be terrible. <laughs> I, I, I love it so much that I just, I could not imagine. So, um, but it, it takes, it, it takes time. So I think just 
people understanding that um, no matter what your belt rank is, your jujitsu is your jujitsu. Your abilities are what they are. And instead of getting caught up in the belt, you know, focus just on your game, you know, get really good because it's always better to be the lower belt tapping the higher belts than the other way around. I have rolled with some black belts, you know, cause I travel a lot. I go all over the country or different countries, different States. And I have trained with some black belts that personally, I would not feel comfortable wearing a black belt if that were my level of jujitsu. You know, it's just like, we yeah. just have higher expectations for people, um, at, at least in our affiliation, you know, sure. we, but, we, we do. But that's better. I, I completely agree. And, you know, me, even, I almost don't even want to give an opinion because of the amount of experience you have compared to me. Um, um, I'm just, like I said, I'm just three years in, I've been a blue belt longer than I was ever a white belt, but I've even in my short amount of time, certainly compared to you, I've seen friends go through the, I feel like I should have my blue belt by now. And it's like, dude, just chill out, man. Like what if, what if it was on you right now? You're not any better than you were yesterday. So, and it's always better. I'd rather be just like you said, I'd rather be held at a belt longer. It's cool. It's fun to be the white belt. That's tapping blue belts. That's fun. You know, you, it's not fun to be the blue belt getting tapped out by white belts. That's not cool. Of course it happens. A hundred percent. But well, it does. It does. And there's times where, you know, size and strength and all those, I mean, you can get some really aggressive, <clears throat> strong, athletic 22 year old purple belt, you know, who probably get the best of a black belt once in a while. It was like in his forties or what, I mean, just, you know, that kind of stuff happens, but there is a just a technical level and a defensive level. And there's certain expectations, I think with, with each belt. And if you're at, <clears throat> if you're sitting around at white belt saying I should get my blue belt um, and you keep that theme kind of going in your head where you're sort of deciding, you know, what you should be, it's, it's the wrong mindset because you need to be in a, in a school where you have an understanding maybe of the progression, but that you have full confidence in your instructor because it's really on them to, they, they want you to get better. Like our instructor, Sean Stupman wants us to beat him. He's not going to let us beat him, but he wants us to beat him. Like he, you, you know, you can tell with certain people that want to cultivate growth and, and they want their students to get better. Um, and then there are other schools where, you know, you have these bow to the belt type of instructors where they don't seem to pay attention and it's all ego driven and, and, you know, and that's the environment. So I think it's important to be comfortable in a place where you feel supported and where you feel um, that you understand the, the process. Cause <clears throat> excuse me, on a, on a, from a business standpoint, jujitsu has become more and more popular. So when I started, it was, it was sort of a different time <clears throat> where people weren't as nice. It was like nitty gritty. It was kind of like, if you didn't make it, you just didn't make it. Like, you don't want to come back tomorrow. Don't come back tomorrow. Now we're like, very nice to people and welcoming and so accommodating and it's a very um different type of thing uh so but i think just just staying focused and making sure that you just get good i mean there's so much to jujitsu there is so so much and i i think that as you you know when you become a black belt when you get to that that level you're almost starting over because now you're refining all of these details and there's just so much to 
to know and so much to practice. So, so it's, you know, it's really important to do that. And I think what also helps humble people is competition, you know, competing, like, don't just say you're a blue belt, go out and compete as a blue belt or compete as a white belt and win and show, you know, because that's, the disc that that's where you're you're outside of your comfort zone where you're you're not with your training partners where you guys all know each other's game now you're in a this is an unknown this is why i always thought this is why i competed at every single belt level because you know it's a test it, it shows you your true abilities um under duress in a situation that's not you know familiar like your your gym with your own training partners so that's another really good way to sort of maybe humble yourself and keep things in perspective of of where you are as well in the competition, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the, maybe excuses might not be the right word, but a lot of the, for lack of a better word, excuses that are thrown around are now gone. He knows my game. He weighs 20 pounds more than me. Uh, you know, everyone's a little bit bigger than me. And, and you know, I was getting him, then he figured it out. If, if he was closer to my size and if he didn't know my game, I'd have him. In competition, you have a weight class and you don't know your opponent, right? So it's really just the best you versus someone else agree or, or, or disagree. A hundred percent. That's, that's why I fought MMA was because I, I wanted to, I'd never been in really any substantial fights growing up. And I wanted to see how, you know, can I fight against another fighter? Not like in a bar against some drunk idiot. Can I fight against another fighter? How does that work? And so but those are personal things, you know, everybody, some people get into jujitsu. I had a, a guy send me a message on Instagram the other day who was asking for some advice about um, training because he's in his thirties and he was asking about the intensity of training and how often. And so I was kind of breaking down the the different aspects of training smart and tapping early and not trying to be a hero and, you know, just all the, all those things because it's about longevity, like to, to, you know, keep things going, not to go in and, and be a hero. So I, I, do, I do think that really the right mindset for jujitsu is super important um, to go in there. But I think it's almost unavoidable, man. There's not too many martial arts out there or, I mean, things in general, bro. Like I, six, I mean, when <laughs> 16 years of a jujitsu, I'm getting my black belt in like 20 days. Right. And 16 years like i could have become a fucking doctor or quicker than i could have you know than you can become a black i mean granted not everybody's journey is the same right everybody's everybody's different but even 10 years you know 12 years like it's a long time to be training something to to get to that level so you just have to accept that and realize that especially now that the game has evolved there's a lot to learn and jujitsu is so fun too there's not you know like you don't because of how many resources are out there and because of youtube there's so much. So I think it really probably has helped a lot more people not feel stuck and, and, and be able to train jujitsu. I mean, I've met guys that I met a guy who came to visit, who was from Germany and he watched Chewy videos. That was how he started doing jujitsu, like for like a year, you know, his buddies and him would watch the videos and just practice it. And, you know, that was never a thing. So it's, it's cool because these things are out there now. And I think it's cool because it helps. It's helping the jujitsu community grow, right? It's helping everybody. It's, it's, it's a, it's a cool resource. Um, and I think it helps people when they are, are feeling, um, stuck. So for all you blue belts out there, don't quit, you know, keep it going. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, <clears throat> I'm glad you said that because I wanted to circle back to one thing. And I, I don't think this is an original idea. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. I can't think of where, so I can't give it credit, but I'm sure I heard it somewhere. And it made sense. Um, do you think the whole the blue belt quitting thing is because um, a white belt has been training for a little bit? They want that blue belt so bad. And it's just, you know, it's like the first step, really. And they want it, they want it, they want it. And it's just like, I really, I think I deserve it, whatever. And they get it. And it's like, you know, it's like, an, um, that's it. Like you hit your goal and then you go back to training, you wear your blue belt, you're cool. And then realistically, you realize, and I'm a blue belt, so I'm basically shitting on myself. You're still not that good. You know, you, you still get your ass kicked. And then it's like, wait, it's the same old shit. And then you're like, purple belt is so far away. And then it's like, fuck this, I'm out. Is that, is that some truth Just like that? less of a white belt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Five-stripe white yeah. belt. Right. Um, well, I, you know, I never had stripes throughout my entire time. The, only, the brown belt was the only time that I had stripes. And there was a conscious decision, business decision made um, uh, at the time with the school where we were talking and discussing <clears throat> the progression of the students and how, you know, whether to do stripes or not. And my opinion was that from a, from a business standpoint, if the goal is to get more people in jujitsu and keep them going, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to incorporate the stripes as it just represents some milestones and progression for people. It's just a tangible for, for people to give them a little bit of, you know, encouragement and, and continue on. You could have people argue that, oh, that's stupid. You, you shouldn't need that. You just be your blue belt as long as you need, be your purple belt as long as you need. And that's it. I mean, that's how it was for me, right? There was no stripes. It was just your this. And I was, you know, a purple belt for, I don't know, six or seven years. Like, so you just, it's a long time to, to go through these um these belts so i do think that the stripes can be helpful just because you know it's a long time it takes people a long time and and not everybody gets into it to start fighting not everybody gets it to compete some people are just doing it for self-defense some people are doing it for health and fitness i mean a variety of reasons so i i do think that that can be helpful and in, in the encouragement of just keeping people going and you know because it's a lot jiu-jitsu is very demanding uh martial art uh sure. physically emotionally you know the time away from your family it's a lot and so i i think it can be a good thing um uh for people just for for recognition because you just never know so with you know with these people who be get to become a blue belt it's it's yeah it's fun for me it's like a brand new car right and then you just one day you walk out and the car is just sitting there and you're like well i'm just it's just my car right like now you're a blue belt and you have a long road to get to the next belt and it is what it is. And that's why from the beginning, if you can just recognize how vast jujitsu is as a, as a discipline, there's so much to learn um, that just enjoy that, like get, get obsessed with being good at jujitsu. And before you know it, the belts will be there, you know? thousand percent agree although i'm not the biggest fan of stripes um i'll tell you why and then we'll see if it makes any sense to you the re and you and you went up you came up without them so three i've seen people and it's just that bad attitude right so and so got a stripe and i didn't that kind of thing so and i got i've gotten 
stripes three different times. I have three stripes on my on my blue belt, and none of them meant anything to me. As a white belt, it felt it felt awesome to get a stripe. I was like, whoa, that's cool. And then like after blue, I didn't care anymore, and I was like, whatever. But I've seen people that they get just way too wrapped up in it. Like I tapped that guy out three times yesterday. Why does he have one more stripe than me? So I'm like, I would rather just. It's a blue belt versus a blue belt. There's no stripes. Whoever's better is better. It doesn't matter. That's that's my that's how I look at it. Just because I personally don't, I'm not wrapped up in the stripe thing and the belt thing. And some people are, unfortunately. But you said earlier, if you love it, you love it. It shouldn't matter. But the people that do get wrapped up, it's almost like a jealousy thing. And I would just rather just not have it personally. If I, I I can see that, and I have seen people say the same thing, like I tap that guy or whatever. So if you're talking about those, those people are like blue belts talking about other blue belts. It's, it's, it, you know, I think that people's grappling maturity grows over time. And if you're a one stripe blue belt, wondering how the hell you tapped out a three stripe blue belt, like that's not the right thing to be thinking about, right? right? That's silliness. That's like that, that of course you did. And he's going to get you and you're going to get him. You guys, you know, don't like there's there, there is not some pronounced difference between a one stripe blue belt and maybe a two stripe blue belt or a three. Stripe. I mean, it's you, you, you're it's progression, but it's, it's, that's where you have to be confident in your instructor that they're paying attention to. We have a very attentive instructor who's you don't ever have to worry that he doesn't see you even in a big class of students he's this this is so annoying you'll be rolling with him and he's literally looking around the room because he's so damn good that he's just watching the room he's like checking emails and stuff while and then just submitting you at the same time it's nuts (laughs) um but he's he's always paying attention to people so so you don't ever have to worry like oh am i sitting here and i should i should have another stripe but all of that that stuff that's like new jujitsu mindset type stuff that i think eventually starts to go away because you start to mature and, and, you know, um, but it's, it's just, it's kind of a little, yeah, it's a little nonsense that, so I agree that the, the not having stripes allows all the belts to just be the belts. And, you know, if you go to a school, I think that the, the stripes are now kind of popular enough that it, it, it's, it's probably different. Like so if you walk in and you've been a purple belt for six years and you have no stripes because your school doesn't do stripes and you walk in and some other school that does, and you have a three-stripe purple belt or a four-stripe purple belt, they're going to think they're going to own your, you know, exactly. lunch like for sure. So yeah, it's, it, you know, yeah. So I, I think it can be, it, it can be a good thing to help people, but it, but on the other side of that is like, don't, don't get lost in the stripes. Like don't get so caught up and start going, you know, I mean, brown belts, tap black belts, black, but you know, I mean, just, it just, things happen. Like it's not, it's too mental. It's too mental. Yeah. I've had friends in competition. Like I saw my opponent weigh in. He's got four stripes on his belt. I don't have any yet. He's probably way better. I'm like, dude, chill out. It's you're, you're the same belt. It's yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's too mental for me. It's too much of a, and then I've had I've had good friends that are like, I'm not really sure why I didn't get striped today when other people did. I'm like, dude, you can have mine. Like, it's just it's just <laughs> annoying to be around that mindset. It, it, you know? Yeah. It, I don't like okay. it. I don't like it one bit. I'm like, I wish we just didn't have this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know. Well, you you have a you have the right mind for it. You know, so that's that's a good thing that'll help you as you kind of continue on, and you just got to get uh, 
kind of share that stuff with other people when, when you hear I try. Because I, I was, I'm, I'm like you, uh, I stepped in the gym one day and I was just as obsessed that day as I am today. I've never had yeah. like a, it didn't grow on me. I didn't have like a, well, I'm not that good. I should quit. Like I just, I do it because I have fun with it. Like you can put whatever color, that's how I look at it. You can put whatever, you can put whatever you want around my waist. It, it, I'm still as good as I, as I am. Or as bad as I am, you know, it just, it doesn't matter. I, I come there to have fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Too much mental stuff, man. I'm not a fan of it. I know, right? I'm not a fan <laughs> of it. And then you get, I get, I get the shit suggested to be on YouTube and that even drives me nuts. It's like, suggest a video, Jocko, like how long, how long till I should get my blue belt? I'm like, why are people looking the shit up? Just go train. Just go I know, train. I know. It's yeah. And, and you know, the, the longer you train and the higher you get, then, then you have a target on your back, right? Then you really get to a point where you're a brown belt or a black belt, like, and you go to other places, man, you know, it's, it's like, you have to always be a brown belt or a black belt. It's a lot. It's better to be held back. I think we had a, we had a guy, uh, I'll give him a shout out. His name is Mason. Um, I just moved to South Carolina this year. I, I trained, I started training in Washington state. Um, we had a guy named Mason who came from uh, Victory MMA, Jocko's Gym. Blue belt, no stripes, savage, savage. <laughs> I mean, like, no blue belts could even hang with the guy. It was like, this guy's not a real blue belt. What's this guy doing in here? Like, he's he's faking it. And he got his purple belt from our instructor really quick because he was tapping out our brown belts. It was like, what is what is what what are they doing over there at, at Jocko's Gym? Or is this guy just, I, I've never trained there. Is this guy just you know, special or are they all that good? And he hadn't been trained like a crazy amount of time, but he was just really good. But, and then that's what, even when I got caught up in the belt, I'm like, how's this guy a blue belt? Like I'm nowhere near this guy's level. And then it, it was like the thing to watch him start rolling with like the brown belts and like tapping them. It's like, this is just crazy. And that's like, that's... and he didn't give a shit. He didn't care when people kissed his ass. Like he'd hated it. He's like, ah, it's kind of, we're all here to get better. Like whatever. Well, if he, if he is, I mean, he, it's either a sandbag or he's like, not, you know, or, or, or if it's not even his fault, you know, like nobody has promoted him, but yeah, if, if you have a blue belt that's out there just consistently tapping brown belts, probably not a blue belt. It was crazy. Yeah. I've been to other gyms and stuff. I've never seen anything like it. It was like, what is it? Yeah. And, and then, like I said, he competed. And then one of our instructors who trains in the morning had never seen him before. And he was like talking about coaching him. And I'm like, dude, he's going to run through these guys. It's not even going to be close. And he's like, no way. Yeah. And it, it just, it was not even close. It was like, these guys are going home. Like, why'd that guy sign up for the blue belt division? This is whack. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just a, crazy. one crazy thing. You know, he'd been training like three and a half years, nothing insane. According to him, I guess he could have lied. I doubt it, but sure. I don't know if it was just, sometimes you get those people that learn quick and they're just exceptional and, you know, young, real fit dude, but it's just like, it felt like rolling with the black belt, rolling with that guy. It, it was like, yeah. it got nothing for him. And then yeah. he, you know, he trans purple belts and they'd be like, I got this guy. And then it's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if someone like that is not like, uh, it's not, I'm sorry. I keep circling back to the, no, no, please. the promotion thing that, cause it really does bother me. Cause I have good friends that are still hung up on it. And I'm like trying to beat it in their head. Like, dude, stop that shit. White belts, blue belts, all of them. Um, guys like Colabate. Blue belt constantly winning tournaments, 
against black belts? Do you think he's like, where's my purple belt? He's like, no, I know how good I am. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. Uh, your guy, Mason Fowler. He just recently got his black belt, but he was in be- beating black belts for a long time. And you think he was going, yeah. but coach, I've beaten all these black belts. Where's my black belt? I'm clearly good enough. I'm sure. Yeah. He, I'm sure those guys don't give a shit. Would you, would you think so? Or Yeah. We, I mean, we were talking about it. Um, like earlier this year, um, him and I, and, and I've been a brown belt longer, even longer than, than him. And he's out there winning all these tournaments, all these brown belt tournaments. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, when, you know, when are you going to get your black belt? And he's like, man, I don't know. And, uh, you know, he's like, Kyle Tara wants him to, to do, wanted him to do a few more tournaments at, at brown belt. And, um, I mean, clearly he was deserving of the black belt, but when, when he got his, I was like, I sent him a text. I was like, son of a bitch. I was like, you got yours like, um, like 30 days before me. And he's like, ha ha. He goes, I'm going to be your senior. And I was like, yeah, but I'm 41. I'm older than you. So I was like, so I'm your elder bitch. <laughs> he's a fun guy. To follow. Yeah. He's uh, a cool dude, man. He's awesome. I love that guy. Great tell guy. him to follow me on Instagram. What the hell? I'll tell him. I'll let him know. Well, he's one of those guys. I, I he's He likes my memes and shit. I'm like, <laughs> is that hard to drop a follow dude i'm trying to get clout over here uh, that's fine um, yeah it takes time on yeah um i want to we're going to wrap it up soon i do have an open that to get to i kind of want to hear um i kind of want to hear mma journey because this is um mostly an mma podcast because the guy i do it with he's not here for a reason he doesn't train jiu-jitsu so mm-hmm. i've interviewed lachlan giles on here i've interviewed tex johnson and it's just like he doesn't have a whole lot of questions to ask because he doesn't right. train. He's just an MMA fan as well as I sure. am. That's what got me in the jiu-jitsu door in the first place. Just being such a big MMA fan. I'm like, I want to train something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's weird when I have a guy who doesn't train jiu-jitsu, we're interviewing these jiu-jitsu guys, you know, um, <laughs> tell us about, cause um, you know, it's, there's some things you get that sounds so douchey to say, but like I've been in fights growing up and stuff, you know, quite a few, but I've never, I feel like, I've never fought MMA before, and it, I feel like the the nerves and the process is just so different. And I couldn't imagine like, for one, it's like this is a trained guy as well. You know his you know his name. Maybe at the amateur you don't have footage, but you know this day you're stepping in there fighting him. Like that's different than the spontaneous fight on the street. Like it's just like it happened, whatever. But it's like no, you're fighting on this day, and you got to get ready for it. Like what's that whole process like? What are the nerves like? How many times did you fight? And just give me all that. Cause yeah. Um, so I trained, I trained jujitsu for one year. And at the end of that year, probably cause I was 25. Like, I think that was, you know, it's just at that age where I realized what jujitsu was, right. I trained for a year. So I, I had this like beginning of this little superpower. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, um, I think around that time, the ultimate fighter reality show was popping on TV and I was kind of digging that. And I was actually, I had a school where, um, I helped teach, um, with my instructor, Sal at the time, who was Kenny Florian's cousin. So I got yeah. to hang with him and train with him a lot. And, um, and so I was just like, man, I got, I want to, I want to fight. I got to push myself and just, I want to see what this is like. And, um, my jujitsu instructor at the time said, all right, I want you to train one more year of jujitsu. Cause I was going to, you know, fight through them and, and with their people. So, so they were like, 
train jujitsu one more year and then you can fight. I was like, okay. So I got my. So you had already been training one year, right? And then he wanted you to do another. I had already been training one year and decided I wanted to fight. And they said, train one more year. So I'd have two years of jujitsu training under my belt to go into a fight. And I got my blue belt, I think a day or two before my first MMA fight. And um, it was at the Dallas Sportsplex over here at this Valhalla one. Uh, It was like the very first Valhalla fight um, here in Dallas, Virginia. And I remember watching, it was a pretty big place. And I remember watching the guy before me fight and he had come in. He didn't seem like he was with a school or had a camp or anything but he got way overwhelmed in there and left on a stretcher with oxygen and so i'm watching this guy get pulled out of the ring with the on a stretcher with like oxygen i'm like what the fuck is happening here i'm like oh my god this is like not what you want to see right before you're about to go in the ring but i was in the zone bro i was like i had trained really hard i was you know i was at a young age where i was training you know, five, six days a week, jujitsu. I had a wrestling coach, I had a boxing coach. I had, you know, we were training MMA at one place and jujitsu at another. And so I felt pretty prepared. Um, and I got in there and I remember being in the corner of the ring and kind of like looking down at my hands and looking down at my feet. And then the bell rang and I was just like watching my feet. Like it was like my body was walking forward and I I wasn't even in control of it. I was just looking at my feet and I was like, oh shit, they're moving without me. Like I didn't, you know, like I'm moving to the center of the ring. And I, and that feeling I had of just like, what, what am I doing? Like there is a whole huge room of people here and now I got to fight this guy. And this is just, this is going to be, you know, it's a very surreal like experience, you know, like it's very surreal. And we went out and um, clinched. I ended up taking him down. We rolled a little bit, um, and I I had him in my closed guard and waited for an opportunity to catch his arm and do an elevator sweep. And I got into mount, and I think it rained down maybe like forty or fifty punches. And the the ref just stopped the fight because he just couldn't defend himself anymore. He couldn't get me out of mount and just taking punches. And um, so. I had four fights total. I lost one fight to a, a decision from a state champion wrestler. Um, this guy that I'm actually still friends with, um, and, uh, um, had like a battle for sure. So it was really, you know, it was really good advice to, to, to have a good solid base in jujitsu because it was utilized heavily in my four fights, <clears throat> but I got to a point where I just realized that it, it was, it was really f- fun. It was exhilarating. It's like a experience that, you know, you can't emulate through anything else. And it's better, right? Then you like, you don't want to go out to some bar fight and knock somebody out and they hit their head on the concrete brain swells, they die. And then you're in prison. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause you got into an argument at IHOP. It's stupid. <laughs> so <Do it> legally, <laughs> yeah. Like just legally fight. So, um, uh, so it was really, you know, it was cool. Like I liked preparing for it. I, I, I felt like that was a really cool thing to, to that box to check, like in my life personally. And it, it, gave me sort of a level of confidence in just my own abilities as a human being and taking care of my family and defending myself. And, um, but I got to a point where I recognized and, and I would even give Kenny Florian like credit for talks that I had with him about his personal journey and what a struggle being a fighter is and, you know, him having his lights cut off and not being able to pay bills and all this different stuff, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough journey. Right. Um, 
he's obviously a super successful guy now, but like listening to him talk about this and recognizing that I, I, I wasn't ready to go off and be a UFC fighter. I think I wasn't gonna, this wasn't going to be my journey. This was more about a personal, um, accomplishment than a career path per se. Um, so I enjoyed it. It was awesome, but I thought I'm going to hang up the MMA hat and just, just train jujitsu, just, you know, stick with that. And so, um, glad I did it. I think it's a cool experience for, for people. Uh, had some crazy thoughts where I'm like, maybe I'll pop in and like do another one. And then like, yeah. don't be an idiot. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm just doing, I'm going to stick with just high level jujitsu tournaments. I think. Well, man, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, yeah, bro. It was awesome having you on. And, and, you know, if I'm not overstating my welcome, I'd love to do it again. Absolutely. Bro. Absolutely. There's not enough time Thank in a day. Man. There's not enough time, you know? I know. I know. Well, listen, that open mat is calling. You got to get to that. I, know, I understand. That. I got I to get a roll in for me. Absolutely, man. Look, thanks a bunch. Um, whenever I post this, I'll, I'll tag you and all that shit. It'll be available everywhere. All that stuff. If you want to give awesome, it a share, bro. that'd be cool. Of course. Yes, sir. Of course. Yeah. Let's do this again, man. If you don't, if you don't mind, let's we'll do, do this it again. We'll <laughs> Happy to, man. Happy to. Awesome. dude. Absolutely, brother. Sounds good. I'm going to check out some of your gear. I don't have any yet. So I'm, I'm going to check out some of your gear. Uh, it seems everyone enjoys it. So I'll be, yeah, bro. I'll hook I'll you up be. with some stuff. Just uh, let me know what you want. Oh, well, whatever, whatever you want to do, man. I'm not, I'm not asking for shit. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I'm going to hook you up with some stuff, you know, I'll give you the, I'll give you the homie starter pack, you know? Okay. I'll take a homie starter pack. Um, <laughs> I, I, I won't say no to it. That's for sure. Tell me some power to follow me and stop. If you're going to like my memes, you got to follow me, dude. Come on. I'll tell, I'll tell him to follow you. I'm a, I'll, t- I'll tag you on his, uh, and a message. I'll tell him to follow you. I'm like 50% serious. I'm not that, I'm not that, you know, wrapped up in, you know, I feel so. I'm 50% confident I can make it happen. Okay. All right, Matt. Hey, let's do this again, man. Thanks for, thanks for everything. All right. All right. All right, brother. Have a happy new year, bro. Thanks, man. You too. See you later.